Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. winter wonderland and for whatever reason I always think and will sit and perspire as we sit by the fire I'm telling you every time I hear that song the only thing I think is that what else would you do as you sit by a fire than sweat and and this morning we were talking with one of our worship leaders and she informed me that how many remember the old hymn and he walks with me and he so her husband one day looked at her and goes, so who's this Andy guy? <laughs> and if I, but once you get it in your head, you can't kind of get it out. And that's why we're talking today about the Bible says, what? Because there's some things that we've had in our life that we've had these thoughts that come into our head. And we go, oh, well, the Bible says this. And I'm here to help you today because no, the Bible didn't. So last week, we talked about money is the root of all evil, and we discussed that in quite, quite great details, and money is a root of a evil, right? And so, so we talked about that, and this week, in our conversation that we're going to have, we want to go into the next topic of, well, the Bible says that God won't give me more than, he can ha- than I can handle. Does it say that? Like, is that really what you wanted to say? Because you're saying, I know we want to have a Bible or have a belief system or have a faith that never lets anything bad happen to us. How many would want a faith like that? Just so you know, everybody would sign up for that. But the fact is, and the truth is, and the reality is, that pain can be a healthy and good and necessary thing. And so when we're talking about your life, I heard a pastor say it like this. There's only three seasons in your life. See if you fall into one of these categories. Number one, you're moving into a difficult season. Number two, you're in the middle of a difficult season. Or number three, you're moving out of a difficult season. Have you ever felt like that before? I know there's some good news for you. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying I heard that said before. And as I look back over my life, I'm like... Nope, that was right before I went in, or nope, that was when I was in the middle of, or nope, that's when I came out, just to look at the next thing. But when we're in the middle of a difficult season, or you're going into a difficult season, or you're coming out of, because Christians, we want to say things that make you feel better. So when, so when something bad happens in your life, we say things like this, when one door closes, God will open a window, ha <laughs> ha. I don't know what it means, like, I, but we're hoping it makes you feel better in the meantime. If, if, if th- things are tough and time is down, that's when we give the biblical scripture, listen, God helps those who help themselves. I'm so glad none of you said amen. That's not in there either. Or we say this, that God will give you more than you can handle. He never said that. And here's the thing. I don't think biblically you can prove that whatsoever because when it came to a guy named Noah, Noah had to build a boat because the whole earth was getting flooded. FYI, that was more than Noah could handle. 
Okay, And when you look at a guy named Moses who had been out of Egypt for 40 years and he was supposed to go back and tell Pharaoh, which by the way was the greatest superpower on the earth at that time, one guy versus at that time was considered a god in his entire army, Moses wasn't enough. And it was too much for Moses to handle. And actually it was so much for, too much for Moses to handle, I think that he kind of lied and or deceived and or made excuses to God. And here's why I say that. Do you, if you know the story of Moses whatsoever, when God said, hey, I need you to go back to Egypt in order to speak to Pharaoh, Moses said, but I have a stuttering program or a problem. It may be a program. I don't know what he was studying at the time. <laughs> and God's like, fine, you can take someone with you. But if you want to notice something very interesting from that time on, Moses never stuttered, nor Aaron ever spoke for him. So did he have a stutter, or was it just an excuse because he didn't speak that language for 40 years, and he might forget every word and everything he should have said? And then you look at a guy named Gideon who was in the threshing floor. He was, he was threshing his wheat in a wine press because he was so scared of the opposing army. He was hiding, and the angel came and said, listen, I'm going to make you the conqueror. You're going to go against this uh, opposing army. And Gideon said, but I'm the weakest of the weakest uh, tribe. Guess what? Going against an entire opposing army that was coming down on you, it was too much for him to handle. I know this is such a depressing sermon. I don't expect you to say amen yet. Okay, I'll keep going for you. What about David, the greatest king who ever lived for the nation of Israel? And actually everything that Solomon built was because David laid blueprints for it. Solomon was not, uh, I don't want to say it that way. I'll say it this way. Solomon was a builder. David was the dreamer. And one time, David wrote this in Psalms 38, and see if this makes you feel better about yourself. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Have you ever had one of those situations where you're at home and the only thing you want is heavier blankets laying on top of you? Congratulations, you know exactly what David felt like. My wounds fester, and the lonesome, uh, excuse me, lonesome because of my sinful folly. How many have ever made a decision in your life when you look back over it? How many have ever had someone that you thought you trusted stab you in the back, and every time you thought of it, it was nothing more than a festering wound or decision that you made that continues to come back and haunt you? You know exactly how David felt. I am bowing down and brought very low, and all day long I go about mourning. Did David suffer with depression? Do you suffer with depression? Just asking. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. How many have been overwhelmed by life so much that you physically manifest the stress that you're living around, living under? And I am feeble and utterly crushed. I am grown in anguish in my heart. That's what King David said, who, by the way, was a man after God's own heart. You may not even be that, and that's what he got to suffer with. And so, by the way, do I need to go through any other Bible characters and personalities to say to you that the thing that God won't give you more than you can handle is not proven biblically in the Bible? I See, I don't think you believe me enough, so let me do this. I think life was too much to handle for even Jesus. 
Like, well, no, it wasn't. He was God and he was man. Well, explain to me when Jesus said in Mark 14, he took Peter, James, and John along with him because Jesus, even though he was fully God and fully man, he needed community. He needed, you guys didn't say amen enough on that, so I got, I'm going I'm to pause here for a second. When it comes to your Christian faith, you cannot do it by yourself. You have to have relationships, you have to have friendships, you have to have trusted circles that when you're in the toughest time of your life, you can go to them. We don't promote nav groups and our small groups and our gen groups and our interest groups. We don't promote them because the church is looking for you to have activities. We promote them because we believe there are places that you can be in life that set you up for optimal success. And here's what success is. It's being with other Christians throughout the week, talking about your life, talking about God, and pushing towards the kingdom. And so if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And I can tell you this week, it was a rough week for me this week. And I actually missed my nav group, but I called to let them know that I wasn't coming. My nav group ministered to me while I was driving down the road because what life had thrown at me was just too much. Jesus modeled it for me, and if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Amen? Amen. Now, Peter, James, and John, along with, now granted, they went and fell asleep. They did nothing for him. I feel like I should be honest with you. Find a better group of friends. But when it came to Peter, James, and John, along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And here's what Jesus, the Savior of the universe, God-man in flesh walking with us, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he goes, well, he didn't give up. He was overwhelmed overwhelmed to the point where he was sweating blood and he looked at God and he said, if there was any other way to do it, let's do plan B. So let me ask you this. Do you believe that God will never give you more than you can handle? If you don't say no, I'm going to repeat everything I just said. So do you believe that God won't ever give you more than you can handle? So if he will give us more than we can handle, shouldn't we ask the question, what's the purpose? Why? But then we should also solve, where did this um, misrepresentation of the scripture come from? I believe, as well as many pastors that I listened and studied, believe it comes from 1 Corinthians 10.13. So in 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful, ready for this, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Imagine this. We have a God who doesn't set us up for failure. I feel like I got to say that again. I, by the way, I'm kind of in the mood to preach. I hope you're in the mood to listen. I, I may need you to talk a little bit more. I was listening to T.D. Jakes this morning. His crowd got me pumped to preach to you. So, and they, if, you, if you're ready to talk back, I'm ready to talk at. So, I love you so much right now. Love you right now. Always sit there. Only sit there. No. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he probably will let you be tempted up to what you can bear. Okay? But when you are tempted, oh, here comes the better part of the scripture, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Endure it. I have never once got on a treadmill, elliptical, went running, and enjoyed it. I endure cardio. 
There's nothing fun about cardio. Actually, Proverbs says this, only a fool runs when no one chases him. That's scriptural. That's why I don't do cardio, because I'm no fool, right? Uh, wait a second. No, I just manipulated another scripture to fit what I want. That's why this is so misunderstood. We manipulate the scriptures to make us feel good. God writes the scriptures so that we can be good. Big difference. And when he puts something on us, when he puts a weight on us, when he puts a test on us, when he puts... Actually, here's an interesting thing. I'm going to go ahead and jump to... So why would God allow us to handle? Number one, I think it's a time of testing. Do you know when the teacher is only silent in school? It's during a test. So if you are in a place right now, I need, I need someone or a lot of us to hear this today. If you're in a place in your life right now and you feel like you are under a heavy burden, if you feel like you're being tested, if you feel like you're being overwhelmed and you're crying out to God and you don't feel like he's responding, possibly you need to adjust your perspective on the situation. Because rather than blaming God for not being present, possibly you could thank God because you're ready for the test. God won't let you be tested beyond what you could bear. And by the way, when you are tested, he's going to make sure there's a door that you can get out. So if you're in the middle of your place right now and you don't hear God talking to you, rather than folding your arms and being mad at him, why don't you look at him and go, God, what are you providing for me as a way out? Because I don't have to ask you to give me an answer. I don't have to ask you to be nearby. I just need to look for you in your hand of providence. What if the reason you are overwhelmed in life is because God knows you're ready for the next grade? See, here's the thing. I wanted to, a long time ago, for those who don't know, I have a degree in Bible college, and I thought I should get my doctorate degree because for some reason, having letters makes me more impressive. But the fact is, I'm not writing anything to put the letters behind. So I thought, I thought about moving on to get my doctorate just to have it. And then all of a sudden, I contacted a college just on the other side of St. Louis, and I asked, hey, here's what I have, and, here's what, and they said, here's what we'll give, here's what you'll have to do. And as I looked at the, the, the amount of studying and the amount of courses I'd have to do, I actually thought this, it's not worth leveling up. The effort is not worth the reward. And so how many times in our life is there something better for us but we choose not to put out the effort because we don't want the pain. I don't want to read that much and I don't want to do a test and I don't want to go back and learn algebra because there was one class that I missed way back then. Like, I don't want to do any of that. You know why? Because the reward of leveling up wasn't worth it to me. But in the kingdom of God, isn't every level up worth it? Let me ask you this, would a hard test between you and your spouse be worth it if rather than your marriage bumping into 77 seven years, you get to 57 years? I would say yes to that. Is it worth your kids seeing you go through a tough time so that they learn the proper way to process pain, disappointment, and forgiveness? My wife and I don't take everything behind closed doors because at some point we're either going to model forgiveness and repentance or we're just going to act like everything is fine and our kids one day will hit a reality of life that it's not. 
And so fine, God, oh boy, I, Lord, I'm using this in the sermon, not as a personal prayer. God, test me. Oh, I felt like it was a prayer still. Oh, I don't know why I'm looking up. I got to be honest. I don't think he's sitting up there, but like, if you feel stale in your life, if you feel complacent in your life, I dare you to say this prayer. God, if I'm not moving, that means I have repeated a grade. Test me, God. And here's the thing. Never let, pres- never let the presence of a test cause you to doubt the presence of your God. Never let the presence of a test cause you to doubt the presence of your God. Why? Because point number two, I think we need to become dependent on his presence. When things go good, we forget about God. Oh. May I put out a hypothesis that I personally think in my head, but I can't prove it to you, nor can I say that it's biblical. May I just put out a hypothesis? Okay, everybody good with that? So the majority of churches after COVID saw anywhere between a 40 and a 60% drop in attendance. And here's what I personally think happened. I believe that people who are just attending a church on a regular basis, not necessarily pursuing God, just attending a church, they left church for mandatory shutdown time. I don't know why I did that. It was. It was like, (laughs) I don't even know how to use air quotes. And so... For mandatory uh, shutdown, and there was a season, we as a church, we felt like it would be best to serve our community. We were going with the information that we had, so we chose to do it, went online, people went online. But then after the doors were opened back up, I'll just say across the board, nearly every church, 40 plus, a guaranteed 50% drop in attendance. And here's what I think happened. I think people who were just attending church that stopped attending, their life didn't get better, it didn't get worse, it actually was the same. So in their mind, it's why do I need to go back to church if life didn't become any different? Now for those that are passionately pursuing Jesus, I don't come to church because God mandates it. Here's why I go, I go to church. I come to church the same reason I go home to my wife every night. I don't have to go home to be married, but if I don't, over time, it makes a difference. Am I wrong? Nowhere in the Bible does it say come home every night, sleep in the same house as your wife. But I know this, my marriage will fall apart if I'm not at home intentionally being intimate and connected with her. The reason I come to church is because I need to intentionally be connected to God. No, to you. We are the church. But when God was never really a part of your life, you got out of the habit of going to him whatsoever. Now life keeps going on. You say things are the same. I would say this. You never knew how to find him when it was bad or good. And by the way, I'm going to say this again. That was my hypothesis. I think I'm right, but that was my hypothesis. But at some time, I'm okay, and if you don't believe this, go back and look at world history. Normally, some of the greatest revivals came out of the biggest wars. Because when life gets at its worst, we turn to something that we know is bigger than us. And you know what's bigger than us? God. Every atheist believes in God in the middle of a foxhole. 
right? And so when it comes to, I I love my military men and women who just said amen a little bit louder because you get that more than I do. But let me ask you this. When your marriage is falling apart, when the money isn't there, when the contract that you banked on, when the child that you were fostering now left from the home, the kids that you raised turned their back on you, I will tell you now, you don't ever find God greater. I see God on the mountaintops. I know God in the valleys. I see God in my good days, but I get to know God in the worst of days. And so why is it that God will allow testings to come our way? Because we have to be dependent upon his, his, his uh, presence. And by the way, the biblical reference that I was planning on giving you here is the entire book of Judges. Go read it for yourself. The children of Israel did great. They began, uh, let me say it this way. They were doing great. They began having affairs with other gods. Other gods moved into their house. Other gods took over their house. They began crying out for the real God. The real God would send a deliverer. Things got well, and then they dated other gods. Other gods moved in. And so go read the entire book of Judges. We cry out for God when we are under pressure. When there's things in our life, we can't handle That's why he will give us more than we handle because we were never meant to do this without him. We were meant to be stewards for him. And if we think that we can do this without him, my question for you is, what's the point of God then? Aren't we one? If you don't think you need God in your life, you have made yourself God of your life. And so what happens when we are maybe being tested, what happens is we're getting to know his presence. I'll tell you, we will then get to know God's power. Point number three, to know God's power. A guy named Paul, who who wrote the majority of the New Testament, that says three different times he cried out to God, asking him to free Paul of what Paul calls a thorn in the flesh. Many theologians have debated what this may or may not have been. Uh, some people believe it could have been bad eyesight because in Paul's writing, his handwriting was large. Some people believe it was a messed up back of some sort because the amount of times that Paul got beat. And if you go and read Paul's, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beat, he's been whipped, he's been in prison. Some actually believe that he had epilepsy. But three different times, Paul cried out to God and said, can you take this thorn out of my flesh? And here's what God's response was. Sure, because my job is to make your life easy. Actually, here's what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this from me. You know what I appreciate? Let's just pause there. I love that Paul didn't say what it was. You know why? If he did, then we'd go, oh, I don't suffer from that. But let me ask you this. No hand raising right now. How many would say, I have a thorn in my flesh that, man, if God could get rid of this, it'd make my life better, make my life easier. But what if that thorn in the flesh is the thing that reminds you, reminds you to push into God? But God said to Paul, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. I will always have a way out. I will always provide a door. 
For my power is made perfect in your weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest in me. It isn't about being the strongest. It isn't about being the best. It isn't about being the fastest. It isn't about being the greatest. It's about understanding that we as humans are weak. And if you're like, you have no idea how strong I am, give it time, you'll die. (laughs) Father time, undefeated. Well, except once. From the guy we're asking for power from. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I'm going to delight in my weakness. I'm going to delight in my pain. I'm going to delight in my struggles that will become our best friends. I will delight in hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I know I've been doing this for around 20 years. And I know what you're saying. He looks too young to be. Maybe you're not. And so I can tell you, I truly believe this. I believe some of my greatest sermons came when I felt the worst about what I was going to preach. I can tell you this. I think some of my greatest answers have only come when I had the most questions. My deepest counseling is when I was the most unqualified to be sitting in the room. This past week, I got a phone call. Tragedy. Family member died because of a murder, and I was asked to be involved. And I will tell you now, I've never been in this situation before. Seminary, college, time in church, it doesn't qualify you for it. Nothing qualifies you for life. Can I just tell you that? They're in a class. There isn't a semester. There isn't something. But when someone calls and you're sitting in there, and they are so grateful that you're sitting there, what they don't know is in your head, you're just going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then a question comes out, and you go, okay, Jesus, okay, Jesus, okay, Jesus. And everything inside of you is a knot because you know this. David doesn't know. And right now you're going, well, you're the one I call for problems. I'm sorry I'm the guy you call. I will tell you now, when you're calling, I'm praying. Okay, Holy Spirit, you got to show up soon. Okay, Holy Spirit, you got to show up soon. I'm not smart enough to handle everybody's problems. I'm not even bright enough to handle my own. Okay, you don't have to say amen that hard, Dad. Like, I heard you. Yeah, for the, someone online, Dad decided to show up today and show off. When I was asking for amens earlier, where were you? But when it comes to burying his son, he was spot on it. When you feel rejected by your parents, right? no. it's that Christ is with me. Dad ain't, but Christ is. Okay, so. But when you're sitting in the worst moments of other people's lives and they think you have the solution, can I just tell you, nothing makes you more humble when you realize that you weren't the solution. You were the conduit. You were the vessel. You were the steward. I would never call me for a solution. But you know who I do call? I call God. I call men and women that know how to hear from him. I call those that have walked with him. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Your rod and your staff. The staff that's there to comfort, the rod that's there to protect. God is with us in those places. And so for me, I have found the power of God most prevalent in the worst, most difficult, heavy places of my life. And I will let you know this. If you're going to start a business, you're going to have more than you can handle. If you're going to start fostering children, there will be more than you can handle. If you're going to start investing your time and energy in ministry and ministry to other people, there will be more than you can handle. If you are married... I I ain't trying to be mean, but listen... There's a reason Proverbs says women be crazy. Like, that's not in there either. I swore that one was in the Bible. But women, do you want to know what it says about men? (laughs) What is it? He delights in his foolishness. That's what the Bible says about men. So thank you for the. No, listen, like, if you're married, there's going to be more things than you can handle. And then when you start having kids, there's multiple things that you have to juggle. But in our life, if the only thing we ever try to do is flee from things that are painful, things that are hard, things that are overwhelming, you're missing the greatest opportunity to find God. If we look at the struggles of our life as oppositions we have to overcome versus opportunity to find the one. Sorry, you didn't get that enough. I got to go over here. If you view obstacles as something you just have to overcome. Versus when you hit that obstacle, it's an opportunity to find God in the middle of it. Because when I find God in the middle of it, I don't know if he's talking to me. I don't know if he's guiding me. I don't know if he's leading me. But I do know this. According to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will provide a way out. And so as I'm finding God in these difficult places, I'm finding him for a couple reasons. Number one, I'm going to draw closer to him. Because listen, when you're in a fight, you get next to the biggest guy on your side. Am I the only one? Well, I've never been in the fight. I'm lying to you then. So, like, that's who you're going to find. Number two, when you're in the middle of the fight and you go, I don't know how this is going to be solved. And next thing you know, it's solved and your hands were in your pocket, and you didn't have the money, you didn't have the brain power, you didn't have the resources, you didn't have the intuition, you didn't have the knowledge, and all of a sudden it's solved, guess what? You look and you go, you are powerful. And by the way, this is where faith is built. I know there's a lot of teachings on faith, what faith is, what faith isn't. Here's Here's a short little nugget of my belief of faith. My faith, my faith, my belief of faith is this, that I'm going to trust something to do it's what it says it will do. And then when it does it, I believe in it more. So then the next time I'm going to say, well, if you said you can do this and now you say you can do this, I'm going to put my trust in you to do the other thing that you said. And after he proves that it does it, you know what? I believe in that thing a little bit more. That is how faith grows. It's not a, uh, doesn't matter what it's not. Here's what it is. It's trusting that God will do what he says he will do. 
And the more we trust in that, the more we can believe in that. So 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. I believe that there is a couple, maybe even an individual here today, that you ignore everything I've just said and hear this. God is faithful. You're tired, you're exhausted, you're worn out, you're beat down. God is faithful. And if you're here today, maybe today was going to be your last trip to try it one more time. Maybe it's sickness, disease, illness. Maybe it's heads, a relationship issue. If the only thing you hear today, I, by the way, I just feel, I feel the weight of God on this phrase that I need someone to hear today. God is faithful. And by the way, if you don't believe, hey, church, can you help me say an amen real quick? And here's how I need us to do it. If you're here today and you know that God is faithful, I just need you to raise your hand. If you know that God is faithful, if you're here today and you need to see this, it's not me saying to you, it's us saying to you. God is prophesying to you through us today. God is faithful. And I don't know where you're at, and I don't know if you feel like you're backsliding or if you got one foot out or one foot in, but you just need to hear that God is faithful. And if you don't believe it for yourself, you know what I say? Believe the stats. The vast majority of us raise our hand. Go with the odds on this one. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's going to take you to the red line. He's going to push you to your limits. But you know the greatest breakthrough that you'll ever have is the greatest barrier that you ever face. And by the way, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God will find you in this situation and provide a way out. Here's one of the greatest places that I believe that God created a way out for us. All of humanity, all of heaven and earth, all the cosmos was under a curse because a guy named Adam, along with his wife Eve, made a decision to eat a piece of fruit and join Team Satan versus Team Jesus. And the moment they did that, we as humanity fell into our sin. And for generations we lived under this, but then Jesus came along, and I, earlier in communion, I told you I'd make sure you knew about this, and I want to do this. Jesus came in order to set us free. And by the way, the very things that humanity had been tempted by, Jesus went into the wilderness, fasted for 40 days, and during that 40 days, he was tempted by those same things, and he overcame it. Because God does provide a way out. But for us, we were already in. We needed a way out. Jesus walked with us and he talked with us. And he was a part of our life until one day, Jesus didn't die. Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus freely gave of his life to hang on a cross. They put him up high. They spread him wide so that all the world can see that Jesus gave of his life so that you could find yours. 
I need you to hear that Jesus gave his life so we could find ours. And so Jesus died on the cross, buried in the grave for three days. After three days, came out to prove what he said was true. And what he said was true was he is God. And he died for our sins. His body was broken, that bread that we ate. His blood was shared, that grape juice that we drink, as a reminder that we could be born again. How are you born again? It's because we confess with our mouth and we believe with our hearts. So if you're here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and right now your heart is beating, your mind is racing, you're like, man, that, that makes perfect sense. By the way, if I make perfect sense, it's because of God. I do my best to lay out sermons, but I know this. There are many sermons that people come up afterwards and they go, man, when you talked on this, it really hit me. I never talked on that. Happens all the time. It happened between you dozing off. Like, it, I didn't. I didn't talk about that. But it's amazing how many people hear things because the Holy Ghost is whispering things. And if you're here right now and the Holy Ghost is whispering in your ear, today's the day for you to be saved. I want to give you that opportunity. And so if you believe in your heart, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm just going to ask you to confess with your mouth. So in order to make people as comfortable as we could be in order to, for this major step in their life, could I ask everyone just to close your eyes? And God, as we bow our heads and we close our eyes and maybe even fold our hands, I ask for any person in here right now that is ready to confess you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I want to know that they believe inside their heart. So if you're here with your eyes closed, if you're here and inside your heart, you know today's the day that you're giving your life to Jesus. Remember, eyes around the room are closed. But if you're here, if that's you, could you do me a favor? Could you just raise your hand in the air so that I can see that you're making that decision? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see this hand over here. I see that hand back there. Come on, church. Come on, four people raising their hand online. I know you're not by yourself right now. If you're listening to us online right now and this is you, there's going to be a tab that pops up, a question gets thrown in, something. I need you to like it, comment, make it. Let us see that virtual hand raise right now. And if you're online or you're sitting here with us, could I ask everyone to repeat this prayer with me? Say, Dear Jesus, today is the day that I'm ready to be born again. I believe in my heart. Now I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. And this day forward, I follow you. God, I thank you for every hand that went up. I thank you for every prayer that was said. I pray for every heart that actually responded today. Jesus, whatever trial, whatever test, God, you brought them here today and you showed them a way out. You showed them a way out and it's you, God. I am grateful for that and I worship you for that. God, thank you for being here. Thank you for being present. Now for each one of you that feel like you have either moving into a test, in the middle of a test, or coming out of a test, I say this right now, may God's presence be with you so his power can work through you. May his presence be with you so you understand a greater level of, level of the power that's with you. God, let them see your hand in the middle of their situation today. In your name we pray. Come on, if you agree with that, say amen.
Amen and amen. Let's put our hands together. Celebrate with those that made a decision. Hey, if you made a decision today, I would love for you to do me a favor. Stop by our next step booths. If you just go back there and say, I raised my hand today, now what? They're, they're there to serve you and help you take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a guest here with us today and you didn't get a chance to fill out one of those cards, I'm pretty sure Pastor Aaron said it earlier, but he was pretty distracted. I'm not going to lie. But if, if you're here and you're a guest, we'd love for you to fill out one of those cards and go to our connecting center. The easiest way for us to get to know you is for you to help approach us. Uh, there's just a lot of faces, a lot of bodies moving around, but please do that. And then the final thing I'd say, yes, our NAB groups are up and running. We want to get you connected in one of them, but also Fall Festival is up and running. We'd love if you can only be a part of it for an hour or two hour shifts. That's what we have them broken down into. We'd love for you to be with us as we pastor our community. And on the darkest day of the year, we're going to be the brightest light. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you in the place of heaviness, weights, weariness and burdens, I pray you find the presence and power of God in a way that you've never seen him before. Go blessed. Amen. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, know Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.